Our passage is really from John 14, verses 1 through 6. But I thought I would just go ahead and start with this particular passage. It's in John 16, 33. Jesus is speaking. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. And this passage, I was deliberately using that as we get started because quite often we come on Sunday mornings and it's, there's a sense of joy, there's a sense of like togetherness, there's even a sense of community and family. And after we have a Thanksgiving holiday, it is really easy to be mindful of, of the goodness of the Lord and all that, we have thank, all that we have to be thankful for. But Jesus said, in this world you will have tribulation. Now when Pastor Jordan asked me to preach, um, I said, Jordan, well, uh, it's Thanksgiving, you know. He's all, Dean, take it easy. You can preach on an old text. Jordan, thank you, I appreciate that. That would mean less work for me. So um, I was going to teach you um, something out of uh, Joshua, and as things happened over the last couple of weeks, I did a 180, and we're not doing Joshua, but instead it's a newer passage for me. Um, but there was just a few things that happened over the last couple of weeks that made my mind and my heart just think anew and afresh on this particular passage. It was just this past week, in fact, not that long ago, that a man from our congregation, he gave me a phone call about something else, and then in the conversation, he said, yeah, Dean, I have this weird thing going on in my head, and it's not a headache, it's something I can't describe, and I feel like this, like pressure, this thing. And I'm going to see a specialist early December, but I don't know what it is. And it was causing him heartache. And he let me go ahead and pray for him on the phone right then. Um, but he was concerned. His heart was troubled. And just the same week, another person um, from our community, actually they, they work at the YMCA, from our community, they shared with me that they got a letter from their financial institution and um, mentioned the withdrawal of $50,000 from their retirement account. And he's like, Dean, I didn't do it. And as he's sharing the story, someone posed as his wife and was able to withdraw the money. Now, he hasn't talked to an attorney yet or anything else, and he thinks he could get the money back. But in that moment, he's like, this is not right. It's not fair. Something is wrong. And his heart was troubled. Another little thing, I, I didn't know that it, I was going to share it because it actually was very personal. Um, uh, most of you know that... Uh, during the week, I carve out a few hours as a hospice chaplain, 
And there was someone that I got kind of close to, one of my patients. Um, she was 43 years old. And she has a husband, dearly devoted husband. She has a 16-year-old son. She has a 22-year-old daughter. And actually, Mike, our elder, him and I both, we drove out to her house on a Saturday, and she lives out past Owensville, which is quite some distance, actually, especially for Mike, who's not used to, that's a long drive for him. We drove out there, and well, she, she passed. She died just before Thanksgiving. And yesterday, I was called upon to officiate her funeral and um, her graveside service. You can imagine the community that was there and the sense of confusion and the troubled hearts. There's a lot of things in this world that just don't make sense. Tribulation is common to man in this world, but Jesus says somehow that we are to take heart because he has overcome the world. Let me read this passage. John 14, 1 through 6. Let not your hearts be troubled, Jesus says. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that? I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Let's pray. Father God, we are indeed dependent upon your word, but also upon your Holy Spirit. So I ask that your Holy Spirit would be with us now as we desire that you be the one, the author and perfect of our faith, to illuminate your scripture for us. Thank you for a sense of your presence, even now. Amen. So yes, I do hear stories throughout the week of, of troubled hearts, things that are taking place which really don't make sense. And one of the most unusual things happened uh, just this past week. I met a family for the first time. The patient is uh, probably 67, 70, and the spouse is about the same age. And um, one daughter was there, and she was probably 45, 47. And when I come in, the daughter is yelling at her dad, the spouse, and yelling at the top of her lungs. And I'm like, whoa, what's going on here? And so she's yelling. I come in, and the yelling stops, but they have to separate from each other. He sits down on the couch for a while. She goes and she's with her mom, who's the patient, who's not doing well at all. And they're trying to settle themselves. He's talking in another conversation. I'm with her. 
And they're trying to set them themselves, but it's really not working. There's all this turmoil going on inside. And finally, the dad gets up, leaves the house, and he starts to rake the leaves. Well, all right. And I continue to minister to the patient and to the daughter. And then when that was pretty much done, I was ready to go, truth be told. I leave, and of course, uh, the husband is right there with, with the leaves. And so I stop, and I talk to him. And he says, Chaplain, I want you to know something. I'm done believing. I'm done believing in a good God. I've been going to church, and I'm done. In this life, there'll be tribulation. And he was watching his wife decline. And now with all kinds of stress in the home, his daughter is yelling at him. And he says, I am done. So as I'm talking to him, trying to minister to him, the mailman comes around the corner and, of course, slows down before the mailbox And you know what he does? He stops, and he says, oh, the mailman, and he waves. He does one of these things. Hello, hey, glad you're you're a little late, but I'm glad you're here. And then we're to continue our conversation. Sometimes we need to put on a happy face. Sometimes we need to, like, do these things so that others don't really need to know how bad things are. But I'm like, let's get real, 30 minutes ago, your daughter was yelling at you. Your wife is dying. You're out here raking leaves. You're telling me that you don't believe in a loving God and you want to do this to the world? Everything's okay. It's all right. I love the people that I minister to here in West County. I love my neighbors. I love the people that I serve alongside of. in Washington and out of the Washington office. But sometimes, that's what we do. We go through life and we experience difficult things and we find it easier to bury and suppress things that are just too difficult to deal with. Sometimes, some of it comes up when they sit down and talk to me just a little bit. And then they usually clamp it down and say, but it really doesn't do any good to complain. Have you heard that before? They start to let something out and then they squelch it because, well, I don't want to burden anybody else with that. I'm going to get back to doing some things. I got leaves to do or whatever. You know what's unusual about our Lord and Savior? is that he knows when you're just trying to put on a show. He knows what's going on in the deep places. He knows if your heart is troubled. You cannot hide it. We serve and love a personal God, and that is what is different about Christianity, different than other religions. Our God is a personal God, one who loves freely and offers grace 
to those who receive him by faith. And that's the amazing part of this story. Jesus, in this context, in John chapter 13, has been sharing with his disciples how bad things have been, but also how things are going to get even worse. The disciples have been walking with Jesus as they have uh, seen people plot against Jesus. The disciples have seen how things have been bad enough, how they've gone places without a place to lay their head, how they've been uh, persecuted and try to be trapped by lawyers or other people. The disciples have seen things, but now Jesus is near the end of his earthly ministry, and he's saying, in a little while, I'm going to leave. Jesus is preparing them for his departure. He's going to die. And the disciples are still a little bit of confusion going on. They're not sure all that's going on. And even in that, he does the foot washing ceremony. And even in that, he breaks bread with them at the Last Supper. And he says, one of you is going to desert me. (laughs) We know that to be Judas. But the disciples have troubled hearts. Something's going on. Now, Peter, you know he's going to speak out because he always does. And whenever he does, you know he is not going to say the right thing. And sure enough, what does Peter say? Oh, I'm not going to. I will be by your side. And Jesus corrects him. Before the rooster crows three times, Peter, you're going to disown me. His heart was troubled too. So Jesus says, let not your hearts be troubled. And I'm saying right now that in a congregation this size, some of you have walked in this morning with troubles on your hearts. In a congregation this size, there can be all kinds of things that are going on in your day or in your week. It's okay. This is a shame-free experience. (laughs) Anything can be taking place during your day or in your week which can cause your hearts to be troubled. And maybe you're coming off of a Thanksgiving high and everything was great and maybe you got spoiled by neighbors and friends. But fear not, because this world has trouble. And it's waiting at the doorstep for you too. And how you respond to it is is what you're called to do, an outworking of the gospel of grace and peace. So what is it today for you? Have you experienced a hardship, disappointing news from a doctor? Something that's scary on the x-ray that you can't explain? Have you too been swindled out of money that just doesn't make sense and now you're thinking, my whole life is different? Is a loved one gone and you're wondering how you're going to start over again? 
troubles, just as, just as you know the sun is going to rise, trouble will rise on your day as well. But the good news is that our God is a personal God and offers a personal faith. And that is what's different about Christianity. You see, God is not distant, but yet very present in times of trouble. You see, God is not distant and far removed, but is intimately acquainted with your needs and where you're at. And that is one of the things that makes Christianity so different. He invites you in and invites you even deeper. Again, John 14, verse 1. Let not your hearts be troubled. And what's God's remedy? What's Jesus' remedy? Believe in God and believe also in me. Now, those people who do not fully believe that Jesus is their Savior and Lord, they may see him as a good teacher. They may see him as someone who, um, yeah, he was a real person um, and he had great teaching, but as far as worship, no. And some of these people, they have a good answer, a quick answer for me. They'll say, Dean, I believe Jesus was a good teacher, but there are many paths to heaven. I usually don't argue or push back. I usually listen. But in this context here, I can tell you freely what is going on in my heart and mind. And that is, if you really knew Jesus as your Savior and Lord, you wouldn't be thinking about other ways to heaven. You would know that Jesus gives you a sense of peace, even in difficult times, that cannot be comprehended. But it's only when we yield completely over to Christ that we allow him to take hold of those troubling situations. So let me unpack that. Believe in God, and as Jesus said, believe also in me. That's an act of faith. That's not something that you can do with your hands or like intellectually figure out on your own. This is something that takes an outworking of the heart. And for those of you who are seminary students who want to engage this in a very meaningful and powerful way, I'm going to point you to John Frame because he's got more answers than I do. John Frame is a systematic theologian, and he came up with, and I'll get this wrong. Let me see if I can find find it in my notes so that I can say it the right way. He said, the triperspectival system. He's a systematic theologian. And he says that God has three specific offices, prophet, priest, and king. But he further breaks it out into a head, what you can know, what you heart, what you can believe with your heart, and what you can do with your hands. And these things are found in Scripture. He backs it up. Can you know and believe? You bet. You can know and believe God according to his word. With your head, 2 Peter 3.18, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. 
To Him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. That's with your head. And with your hand. Some of you will know this out of Colossians. This is ESV. Whatever you do, work heartedly as for the Lord, not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive an inheritance as your reward. So you can know. You can do. But this passage in John 14, it's not about either one fully. It's about believing. Jesus is engaging the heart. Because when your heart is troubled, there are things that happen that your mind just cannot work its way out of. There are things that happen that are so troubling that you cannot rake enough leaves to fix. And the Savior says, abide in me. Believe. It's an act of faith. I do enjoy the children that I get to be with in fellowship in the back and the children in this community. They teach me more and more about childlike faith. I can see them on a Sunday morning and smile and they just know that things are going to be okay. Not because they have things figured out, not because they have the ability to drive from point A to point B, but because they know that they are loved and cared for. And Jesus says, believe in God, believe also in me. It's not an easy thing to do, really, for a lot of people. But understanding that this verse is really about a disposition of your heart, a bent knee towards the Almighty God who is asking for nothing more than faith from you. In this life, there are tribulations. But to work through those tribulations really requires an act of faith, loving completely with open arms. Now, um, I'm going to take a little side note now. Um, it's a little bit unusual for me to have a break at this pot, spot in a sermon, but if, if you've heard me preach before, you'll know that every sermon, I try to offer something for our parents and for our families, something in the text for them to chew on, and this is it. I'm going to pick up reading. Um, actually, I'll, I'll read in verse 3 and in verse 4. Jesus again is saying, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. So Jesus is talking about some place, right? And then he says, And you know the way to where I am going. And the disciples are like looking around and they're like, Wait, what? Thomas is the only one to speak up, and I'm sure that Peter decided he's going to keep his lips shut because he doesn't need to be corrected again. So Peter's quiet, and Thomas speaks up, and he says, now wait a second, Lord. We don't know where you're talking about. How can we know the way? So here's my advice for parents 
but it applies to teachers as well. Sometimes you engage people not with the answers, but with something that leads to more questions. Um, there's a fancy word for it called disequilibrium. Kids, people, they look for things to be steady and simple most of the time. Just feed me with a spoon. Just come on. I'll take more milk, please. Just keep it nice and easy. But Jesus doesn't do that here, and he does it in other places in Scripture. And when you're with your kids, your kids are going to, you know, let's keep it nice and easy and simple. But don't be tempted to do it all the time. Sometimes they'll ask you a question, and the best thing you can do is to respond to their question with a question. Did Jesus do that? Yes, many times. Many times. When he was with the Pharisees, and there was the paralytic that came down through the roof, and he's laying down on the floor, and Jesus says, your sins are healed. And he hears the, the Pharisees speaking and saying, oh, this man, he's blaspheming. He's declaring that the sins are healed. And so Jesus asks a question, not a statement. He could have said, I am God, right then and there, and just created an uproar. But instead, he asks a question. He says, is it easier to heal or to say that your sins are forgiven? If all he did was say that your sins are forgiven, everybody could just mumble and murmur. But he said to the paralytic, get up. And the man took his mat and he walked right out in the middle of him. Disequilibrium. So I try to do this with my kids too. And um, Melody and I were, Melody's my youngest. I have three not so little girls. <laughs> They're growing up quick. Melody and I were on a walk. And uh, we were walking our dog. It was late at night. In fact, the sun went down. And we're going around. And I decided that I wanted to just talk about um, uh, the love that Melody has for God. But then I stopped myself. The easy question would be to say, uh, Melody, I know you love God. Or, Melody, I know that um, uh, things are going well. How do you love God? But instead, I put a little spin on it, and I said, Melody, how do you know that Jesus loves you? How do you know? And so she stopped. She thought about it a little bit, and she gave me a profound answer, which I won't go into right now. But asking a different question engages the heart and the mind to think in a different way, and it upsets, it shakes the boat a little bit. And so when Thomas was saying, Lord, we don't know the way, he was right. He wants a concrete answer, something nice and simple, and Jesus didn't go there. Instead, Jesus was inviting deeper thought. Thomas, I know your heart is troubled because I'm leaving but I'm going to my father's house and there, there are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you, but I am going there to prepare a place for you, Thomas. 
all that is required of you is faith. And at the appointed time, Thomas, I am coming for you. It's not about the road, how many steps. It's not about the heartache. It's about faith, childlike faith, and the one who is a personal God acquainted with your good times and bad times. The personal God asking for a personal relationship with you. Jesus goes on to say that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You want to know the way? You want to know the way out of the troubles? You know wanna you want to know that God is personal? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. Do you want to know that God is God and attentive to all the land and all the peoples? For God so loved the whole world that he gave his one and only son that whoever, that just whoever believes, God grants eternal life. So it's a little unusual to be sharing such an evangelistic message, but we just got off a great, I mean, Pastor Jordan, just amazing, messages, series from Luke, and now we're getting into the Advent season And maybe that's why God placed this on my heart today. But as we prepare for the Advent season, we're preparing to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, who would eventually die on the cross for our sins. And those who believe in him will not be put to shame. It's an act of faith. It's simply saying, Lord Jesus, I acknowledge that you came to earth and that you came and you lived a sinful, sinless life so that this sinful man might have fellowship with you. I believe in you. I believe that you died on the cross for our sins. Please take my heart troubles. Please take my sins. Please Take the troubles of this world and let me know the peace that you have promised. I give my life to you on this day. It's a simple prayer. If you've never said that prayer or if you would like to say it again, that's okay. Please know I would love to talk to you. Please know that any of our staff is here to be with you and to care for you. In just a few minutes, one of our elders, Craig, is going to come forward and he's going to offer communion to those who believe. 
And we want you to come as an act of faith, a step of faith, believing that Jesus is raised from the dead and that he is your Savior and Lord. Let me pray. Father God, we recognize that only a personal God is willing and able to address our personal needs. So I ask that you would address our personal needs. Meet us wherever we're at this morning. Let us live not for ourselves, but for you and for you alone. I pray that your spirit would rest firmly upon our heart. Convict the sin that needs to be convicted. But give us your peace, the peace that is promised. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.